0: everyone it's christina herrick produce editor for the packer and i'm here again with another tip of the iceberg podcast this time marissa dake vice president for brand and people for dnl produce joins leanne ruzamenti director of marketing and communications with the equitable food initiative to discuss the age-old adage if you're not at the table you're on the menu dake also serves as the chair of the Advocacy Subcommittee for the International Fresh Produce Association's Political Advisory Committee, and she shares how everyone in the fresh produce industry can be an advocate and outlines the small steps to get started. I'm Leanne Ruzamenti with Equitable Food Initiative,
1: bringing you another people-first focused episode of Tip of the Iceberg. Today, we're talking with Marissa Dake, Vice President of Brand and People, for DNO Produce, who also serves as chair of the advocacy committee of the International Fresh Produce Association's Political Advisory Committee. She has a rich background that brings together produce, food access, and public affairs, and is the perfect person to remind us that a people first focus for the industry must include access to healthy and nutritious food. It also intersects with the importance of telling our own stories as an industry as we advocate for more fruits and vegetables to be present on plates of all Americans. So Marissa, it's so great to have you here today. Can you start by sharing a bit about your background and how you feel your work is key to moving the needle, both for the health crisis and the produce industry? Yeah, of course. Thanks, Leanne, so much for having me. I'm really
2: excited to be here. Um, A little bit about my background, I'm new to the produce industry. I've only been here about two years. And my journey started in, um, in nonprofit work. In college, I worked at a community center and oversaw kids programming. And one summer, I was in charge of a uh, summer lunch program through the community center. It was the U of SDA summer meals and um, had a really transformative experience with my time at the community center. Um, I saw the the quality of the meals were not something that my volunteers were willing to to have that that I would have preferred as a kid, and I was lucky to have volunteers that spent their own personal money on produce to supplement the meals. So they would go buy watermelon and grapes and all sorts of yummy fruits and vegetables to bring in and serve the kids. and And seeing the kids light up uh, when they got to have these luxury foods was very uh, pivotal experience for me. So I knew I wanted to do something to address those disparities because I was I was at a community center in my own hometown and it was people who live just miles from me having these access challenges. So I, um, you know, had a passion for this and had the opportunity to go be an intern in Washington, D.C. for um, one of the senators from Kansas, my home state, and really got to see the policymaking process from the inside and then stuck around in D.C. and worked for a food and agriculture government affairs firm and got to see how the food and agriculture industry works and lobbies and advocates for its needs uh, from the outside of the Hill. And um, the reason I switched into produce is I wanted to see now the industry side of how all of this works. Um, DNO produce, we contract with the USDA um, to provide produce for school meals. And I wanted to, I was very curious, I wanted to see how this all works um, because at the end of the day, businesses have to run, businesses have to make a profit, um, but these are taxpayer funds, these are their taxpayer dollars and they're dollars that are going to a very important need which is serving kids at school. We all know that kids can't learn when they're hungry and we all know that there is a huge disparity with diet related health issues, especially in those, in those low socioeconomic populations. Um, so I moved to Columbus two years ago and have really enjoyed seeing
1: how everything works from the industry side. Wonderful. And advocacy is a real commitment for your company. Can you give us some insight into why DNO Produce has chosen to invest time and resources into into this advocacy work? Yeah, it's been a it's been a journey
2: in terms of how it's grown. Our company president Alex has been actively involved in advocacy efforts since about 2016. It started with attending the uh, Washington Policy Conference that United Fresh at the time, now IFPA, would put on. And then it really grew from there. As we grew in our school space, it made sense to have relationships with government stakeholders in that industry, both on the political side and the regulatory side. And then we got opportunities, um, and we realized it became a strategic business move. We got opportunities to positively impact the industry, the community, we made new partnerships. We were, we've been positioned as thought leaders in this space. Um, it's enabled us to shape policies directly affecting our business. We even got to be a part of a bill being introduced last year. Um, and it, it helps us shape uh, the future of food and ag policy. Initiatives like Food is Medicine and School Nutrition really start at that congressional level. So our investment in advocacy is, is also a way of investing in ourselves as a company.
1: It sounds like that paid off in dividends in a fairly short amount of time. Can you can you talk a little bit about what this work actually entails, what it looks like from the day to day? You've you've obviously already highlighted benefits, but if there's anything else you would underscore for other produce companies to consider as well.
2: Yeah. So um my my boss Alex and I serve as kind of the leads on advocacy and policy work, but we have several staff members that are involved in different ways. And when you look at the large uh, consolidated commitment, you might you might think it's it's really big, but it's shared um, amongst different folks. So Deidre from our team, our food safety director, works on those regulatory issues. She's really engaged with administration advocacy and specifically working with a lot of the efforts around FDA restructuring. Um, Nick Middleton from our team is involved on a council with wholesalers and distributors. Um, Alex, our company president, is involved with the Foundation for Fresh Produce. So we all share um, slightly different roles. Um, but in terms of what that work looks like, we really expanded our participation after the Washington conference to just keep in touch with these the, the lawmakers that we connected with. We just invited them back for a tour, and we were um, really excited to see a response to that. We've had Senator Brown and Congressman Kerry, um, Senator Brown's office and Congressman Kerry himself come out. Um, and then we just keep active contact with them. Th- some things that I do practically, I just monitor uh, what's going on. I listen to some podcasts um, each week. I, I read um, political agriculture and food fix, Tr- just trying to keep on on topic and know what's going on. Um, and, and when there's a big bill like the farm bill that really does impact our work, we show up there were two farm bill related listening sessions last year one was on the nutrition title held by our local food bank one was on more the agriculture producer side held by congresswoman captor from northern ohio we showed up we wanted to be involved in that space and um, so it, it's really grown and then um one other thing i'll mention is that the white house last year now two years ago now asked for a whole-of-society approach um, and and commitments from all sectors to reducing diet-related health conditions, hunger, and um, nutrition issues. And we jumped on that quickly. We said, this this is really cool. Um, We're not a huge company, but we'd love to be involved in this initiative. And we started attending those information sessions, all virtual, and that's what led to us submitting our own commitment um, to that White House conference. Hopefully we'll hear back uh, on our acceptance of the commitment,
1: um, but we've put one in. Wonderful. Um, you know, you, you talked a little bit about IFPA kind of kicking this off. And this year, they are really asking all industry members to take action and be more involved in advocacy. I was hoping you could talk a little bit about kind of what's behind that what are the goals, what do we hope for, and and what you think it'll take to move the needle. As you said, you're a small business, right? So how can we all kind of join, join forces to, to move the needle? Yeah.
2: Well, I'll say from personal experience, working up in DC for several years, that in the food and agriculture industries, they're actually kind of each their own thing, produce is pretty underrepresented. I see it changing. I think certainly IFPA has put so much gas in that tank. It's better than it was, but um, they always say if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. And produce should be half the plate, but legislation like the Farm Bill spends less than 10% on programs that are specifically for specialty crops or produce. So there's just not a good balance of resources for um, produce and specialty crops. And, And when I worked in Food and ag government relations, you know, there's a huge presence for corn and soy and poultry, and those are huge industries. And they have they've really got a system down, and and it's time for us to step up and and really be a collective force for that. I think every company can contribute in a different way. For us, because of our size, our manpower is our best contribution. You know, my time. Uh, the member of our team's time. Um, For some larger companies, it might be donating to the PAC a substantial amount to help support candidates that are allies of the industry getting elected. Um, A lot of folks do have political connections that they're not taking advantage of, so really leveraging those. I mean, we are all employers in our communities, uh, in our states. I mean, some folks have multiple state footprints. There's a lot that can be done in just leveraging um, an invite to a facility in in all of the states that you cover. I think that now is a great time for folks to get involved because we can really see consumer trends are shifting. You know, the science is really clear. People are starting to really wake up to the need for a a connection between what we eat and our, our general health and quality of life. And it's time to get lawmakers on board as well.
1: I love all of that. And it it sounds like attending the Washington conference, which is now hosted by IFPA with yes. the, the merger with United Fresh. Um, it's a great first step. It sounds like that's what sparked DNO. Um, what other small steps should produce companies be taking along this journey? I mean, how do you recommend people even get started?
2: I would recommend as a starting point, subscribing and reading. Um you know, uh, uh, just like you do your regular headlines, right? I think we all listen to something um, or read the headlines uh, to keep on track with what's going on in the world. But I mentioned a couple. I would also add the agriculture committees have a list served, the House and Senate agriculture committees subscribing to both the majority and minority press releases. It's just a way to see what's being prioritized. And you'll really see it very vividly there, how many other industries are really represented in the legislation that's being rolled out by these committees. Uh, when you just see that come into your into your inbox, that's just a great baby step is just, just awareness of what's happening on the Hill. Um, but I think also taking a look at your organization and identifying key issues that align with your business values and your business objectives. For us, obviously, child nutrition is a huge one. We're really focused on the K-12 space as a customer segment but i know as grow you know for growers it's going to be immigration policy water policy for some it might be trade and foreign competition for some it might be more research dollars so taking a look at what issues matter to us and just being curious doing some searching around and then additionally reading up on your lawmakers you got two senators you've got one rep if you're just in one location you've got more if you've got multiple spots go and look at their bios and go and look at their committee assignments. And if there's any overlap with what you do, you need to take note of that, um, especially ag, ag, ag committees for either. So um, just being informed on any potential connections so that you have a, some some context and groundwork
1: for you to get involved. I love that list of issues because there really are so many issues that touch our industry that you can have a voice and. Um, hopefully we've it being uh early in the year, hopefully we've gotten a little bit ahead of what is certain to be a highly uh political year with <laughs> yeah.
2: 2024
1: elections coming up. Um, what what do you suggest folks do kind of in planning for, for that this upcoming election year? Yeah, I have two recommendations for that. One is to
2: donate to the fresh pack. Um a lot of people hear about packs, they have they have their own. A connotation, just like the word lobbyist has a connotation, but really, um, the PAC uh, is man- that's managed um, by IFPA. Those funds are used to contribute directly to federal candidates that are allies to the industry that are going to promote fresh produce. Um, it's again, people have have their own opinions about this, but that is how, in part, this works. And um, donating to the PAC, it doesn't have to be a ton of money, but Someone is keeping an eye on that, uh, on, on on what lawmakers are saying, the positions they're taking, what they're doing, and knows, you know, and, and knows more than we might about you know where a candidate stands on a very specific issue. So donating to that, um, I, I trust those ex- the expertise of those folks um, at IFPA versus maybe me kind of giving willy nilly based on the advertising dollars I'm seeing um, because they're really getting into policy level conversations. And um, they're looking at you know their voting record, what committees they're going to be on, and you know that they're they're vying for, what's their historical support of those issues. They're just doing the homework. The second thing that I would recommend is there is a difference between policy and politics, and uh, the metaphor I've used before is when I walk by Barnes and Noble in the window, I'm going to see all kind of the big best-selling books, the top the New York Times bestseller list books. But when I go into Barnes & Noble, there are thousands of books. Holy cow, there's there's tens of thousands of books. And, and the latter is what policy is like. There is so much more depth and content and people and relationships to explore within the policy world than what we just see on the outside, especially during election season. So I'd really encourage people to keep that in mind because from here through the rest of the year... There's going to be a lot of money um, thrown at getting your attention and specifically getting an emotional response out of you. Emotion is what drives people to action. So just having some some leeriness of that and remembering, like I'm just seeing twenty books, you know, the top twenty as I pass by this, and not the breadth and depth of true work that is going on in Washington. Um, and that is why why the policy conference is so refreshing. You get to meet those staffers. You get to talk to lawmakers about. Really, nitty gritty nerdy issues, and realize you know how important
1: this is um, to folks not just not just the hot topic of the day. Yeah, what a great metaphor. And you know, industry members are experts, and whether you know it's yeah. a nerdy topic that a, a <laughs> exactly. representative wants to dive into, like bring bring your story and your perspective, and because yeah. you've written the book, right? So yeah and these staffers have so much thrown at them if you're a
2: house staffer you're handling not only agriculture but you might also be handling education issues healthcare issues there's a portfolio called postal issues that somebody is in charge of handling all issues related to to law around the postal service so uh, and these these are kids and i'm saying that also being in my 20s but um, at the, on the house side the age just 26 i want to say and on the senate it's 31 Um, So these folks are incredibly bright, incredibly driven, and they're aware that they can't be experts on all of these issues. It's their job to take the information um, that they're given, follow up and research it and take what they believe the best decision is to their member of Congress, to their boss. And that is why
1: it's important for us to come in and provide our expertise and be a resource. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, One more thing I wanted to touch on is IFPA flooded our uh, news feeds and inboxes a few weeks ago around the current WIC funding, which is at risk. So I just thought if you could take a minute to kind of update us on that, uh, what does it mean for the industry? How can the industry step up and kind of raise a collective voice around this issue? Yeah, certainly.
2: So WIC, for those who don't know, stands for Women, Infants, and Children, and this is a supplemental nutrition program that is given to be spent at the retail level. So um, a woman who is either expecting or postpartum and up until the child is five can receive this benefit. And um, it's it's specifically for certain income levels, of course. Um, but what's really cool about um, the WIC benefit is there were dollars specifically set for produce purchasing and that is not always the case with um, public assistance programs. And folks have different opinions about that. I think personally, that's incredible because again, coming from working with a a low-income population at the community center, food like grapes or oranges is considered luxury or perceived as luxury. And it shouldn't be. And I think some of us know if if you just shop seasonally It's actually not as expensive as it's perceived to be. So, to really create an incentive um, benefits everyone. Um, The WIC program is already facing a shortfall. I believe it's to the tune of a billion dollars. And so, that's turning away a lot of eligible families. There's wait lists. But we also need to think about it from an industry angle, too. This is going to impact the supply chain. This will impact farmers. This will impact distributors. This will impact retailers. So not only does it impact the participants, but the industry could be um, susceptible to losing, I I think it's just over a billion in annual revenue due to this availability of, of benefits. So as you mentioned, IFPA put out kind of an all call to action. And I would really encourage folks to go amplify that, share that, to send a letter to your lawmaker. They've got a link where it will send a letter on your behalf. So it truly takes 30 seconds. But if you'd like to go in and personalize it or make a phone call, that's just as important too. Um, but it it definitely has both an impact on vulnerable populations in our country and our industry. And
1: uh, before I let you go today, since this is a podcast that addresses you know the people aspect of the produce industry, I would be remiss if I didn't give you a chance to talk a little bit about DNO's partnership with your local food bank to support the summer lunch program and and how you've had to navigate staffing issues and, and kind of made it a, a win-win for the community. Tell us about that.
2: Thanks. I'm very passionate about this program. Um, but something we, we've we been trying to attack is turnover. So everybody knows labor is a challenge everywhere. We have a fresh cut processing uh, facility and we have two shifts for that. And um, turnover can can be quite steep. And we really a couple of years ago took a step back and said, what can we do to address this challenge? It takes a long time. We o- we offer over a hundred different fresh cut SKUs. So teaching someone all of those nuances of how to get the best yield out of a cantaloupe and how to slice a kiwi, you know, all of those different functions take time to build up. So we looked at that and we did two things. Um, the first is we guaranteed everyone. 40 hours of pay, regardless of customer orders. That was a big decision. That has helped tremendously though. So when we are lower in the summer because of the the work we do with schools, um, we do guarantee everyone a paycheck so that their income can stay steady. And that has dramatically changed our retention because the summer was when we lose the most folks. They would go find another job, understandably. I don't know if I could go with half a paycheck you know, next month. Um, the other thing, though, that we did is we um, created a program with the Mid Ohio Food Collective, uh, their kitchen, where we sent a delegation of our staff over to help them with their summer meals program. They serve about 1,100 Ohio children every day um, a hot summer meal um, through community centers, through schools, um, through churches, and um, that is a completely free program that they that they do for the community. So we donated 2,200 volunteer hours. So we paid our staff to go volunteer for MOFC, um, no cost to them. And the the dollar value for that is almost $70,000. So for MOFC, it's a tremendous amount. Kind of going back to being a small company, we can't necessarily drop big dollar signs at a big fundraiser for an organization like this, but we can sure send our staff. And we were able to prepare over 150,000 meals between June and
1: August. Amazing. What an incredible story and a creative solution that really brings so much benefit. Well, thanks, Marissa, so much for your time today, for your commitment to the industry. I'm sure you've been an inspiration to other industry members to take some of these small steps you've outlined and and raise a voice um, as as an industry. Thank you.
0: I just want to say a huge thank you to Leanne Rizamenti of the Equitable Food Initiative. And Marissa Dake of DNL Produce for their great conversation today. I also want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in. Don't forget, if you like what you hear, you can catch new episodes of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast on your favorite podcast platform like Google Play, Spotify, Apple, and more. And that's a wrap for this edition of Tip of the Iceberg, brought to you by the Packer and PMG Magazine. Join us again soon for more industry insights. Bye.